Welcome to Culture Matters, a podcast that explores the intersection of faith and culture. I'm Adam Griffin, and I'm here with some of my favorite people, Elizabeth Woodson and Adam Hawkins. And in this episode, we're going to reflect on culture in 2020, talking about our favorite books, film, music, fill in the blank. It's a favorites episode. We get geeked up for this, and I love hearing from you, our listeners, about some of your favorites or your interaction with some of our favorites. So without further ado, here we go. All right, Adam, Elizabeth, this was a huge year for media production. Just so many movies came out, it's going to be hard mm. to pick. Uh, I know Elizabeth, uh, Beyonce had like six albums this year, so it's picking which one was your favorite. It's, it's hard, Adam. It's hard. <laughs> Honestly, this episode, probably more than just about anything else we do, I know this will sound trite, but I get more out of this episode as far as like follow-up for me. Like, oh, I need to go listen to what Elizabeth's listening to. I need to go read what Adam's reading. I need, like when I hear you guys talk about something that I haven't witnessed, but is your favorite, I I get geeked up because I mm. trust you guys so much about everything that if I haven't read it or experienced it, I, I want to after you guys talk about it. But. Same. In 2020, obviously, it was a weird and difficult year, and it was a lot different than past years when we've looked at this. There's, there is a lot of good music that was released, and uh, David, our producer, wrote into the script here that Taylor Swift actually had two really amazing and popular albums come out. <laughs> I just want to make clear, David wrote that. I, I wasn't saying that because, not that I'm against T-Swift, I literally haven't listened to Taylor Swift this year, so I'm sure it was awesome. I'm sure she probably wore a cardigan while she filmed her music videos, and I'm sure it was beautiful. But I don't know. Adam, you're a Taylor Swift expert. When we get to that, you can talk about it. But I actually really love this band called The National, and one of the guys from The National helped write some of her album, which was really oh. interesting because he's like a big indie music dude. And um, so it was strange. You're Everyone's already bored. <laughs> They are not. I get really fascinated. They're like, have you guys national? Good. So, uh, no, I don't know if you guys ever listened to the podcast Song Exploder or now they're yeah. doing ep- they're doing TV episodes on Netflix. Wow! And I find uh, this concept incredibly fascinating. The idea of the show is that they explore with the musician the the writing and how it went and why they put in certain sounds or lyrics and. And now on the show, they kind of review it with famous bands in, in almost retrospect. And, and some of them are more modern. Alicia Keys, they have like actually her writing a song that came out last year. And But there's other ones too that are just more throwbacks, The Killers, or they have a song from Hamilton. But that idea of like, why did you write it like this, both musically, lyrically, and conceptually, mm-hmm. is so fascinating to me. So I love that The National helped write Taylor Swift's album because now – the fact that I've never listened to The National or Taylor Swift will really fill me with even more curiosity. Thank you, Adam. But let's talk about, Elizabeth, let's start with you, since your tastes matter uh, and people love them. That's right. And there's no way that you're going to mention an obscure Japanese pop rock band like Adam will. Uh, what, What was your favorite music of 2020, Elizabeth? My favorite music, 2020... I want to be a little different, so I'm not going to mention Beyonce, but I'll <laughs> just know if she puts something out, I'll listen to it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I listen to a lot of jazz music this year because I work from the house, and so nice. words 
listening to words and trying to write words doesn't work for me. And so I need some nice, fancy little jazz music in the background. And one artist I came across, his name is Jimmy Smith, and he is from the 50s, and he does jazz music on the organ. And here's a fun fact about Elizabeth. I love organ music. Whoa. Do a podcast about that. Yeah, yeah, let's do a whole episode on organ music. A whole episode because there's a great demand for podcasts on organ. <laughs> and we'll bring music. some big, we'll bring some big organ artists on, and it'll be oh. the first time any organ player's ever been on a podcast. There's, there's no way I mean, we could I, book. I love how this is going. <laughs> we I couldn't book an organ musician. <laughs> for multiple reasons. So Jimmy, Jimmy Smith plays <laughs> jazz organ music in the fifties, and in you just 50s. discovered it. How did you find it? It's just, you know, I'm on Spotify and it's one of those jazz playlists, one of those focus playlists that they have on Spotify. And I just, when I heard the two together, it was just great. And so I've just been listening to a lot of Jimmy Smith. He has a wonderful Christmas album, organ jazz music that's Christmas oriented. You'll love it. Uh, But that is one of my new finds this year, again, because I just needed a different genre of music because I am working from home. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, do you have a public Spotify playlist of Jimmy of your favorite jazz music? I don't have a oh, public Spotify playlist. Let's get one. Let's do it. <laughs> we should record. We should have a yeah. We should do a culture. We should. We should do that and dump all our stuff in it. That's great. That's yeah. good. They, it could go straight. It would be very from, eclectic. Straight. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> from yeah. jazz organ covers of Beyonce songs right into weird <laughs> punk Japanese. <laughs> rock bands. Speaking of which, Adam Hawkins, what was your favorite uh, album, new music in 2020? Yeah, man, there was there was actually off, on this category there was a lot. There was a lot of good music that came out this year. Um, it was a great year actually for women in music. I think uh, not not only to mention Beyonce, but um, I know we always have to pick one. I know it's stressed that there's one, but can I just mention a couple? One, Will you please, is, yeah. Uh, one is an artist, her name, she, the, the band's name is Waxahachie, uh, and she released an album called St. Cloud, and it's just really good. It's sort of, um, it's, it's a little bit folky, uh, but it's just a really good album, strong lyrically, and it was, it was just, I don't know, for a year that's been hard, it was, it was good to hear, um, uh, something that, I don't know, that was soothing. Um, so she was really great. Uh, and then there's a band called, um, um, porches that I really like a lot. And they had an album called Ricky music that came out and it's just interesting. He does really interesting stuff. He recorded it during, I think it might've been during the start of COVID. I'm unsure, but regardless, he was sequestered for it in his, uh, apartment in like New York and recorded in there. And what came out was just like really good, uh, really good, um, album. So those are two. The last one I'll mention is a, a girl named Phoebe Bridgers, who's just had sort of a meteoric rise to the top of sort of this indie music chart. She's done a ton of stuff with a ton of different people over the last couple of years, but her album Punisher came out this year and it it's strong. It's a real strong album. So those are three that really moved me this year and that I really appreciated. So that's great. I think, uh, you know, this is a Christian podcast. And so I, I do want to mention that they're uh, one Christian song that I really did like with one lyrical exception. There's just one lyric and it drives me nuts, but I won't mention it. But uh, Cody Carnes and his wife, uh, Carrie Job came out with a song called The Blessing that they wrote along. I think Stephen Furtick helped them write it. 
and you hear it all over the place. It's very simple. It's very scriptural. And to me, it's a beautiful song. I love that song. I think do everybody you, loves that song. Do you actually love that song? I do love that song. It's the new Oceans. It's like the song that everybody loves. You the know? difference between The Blessing and Oceans is we don't yet have a video where a drummer goes absolutely bonkers That's true. with The Blessing, which if you haven't seen The Drummer and Oceans, I think they removed it from the internet because it kind of hurt, hurt the guy's feelings, I think, to, to watch it. But, but man, it is worth your time if you can find it. It is totally worth your time. Uh, no, The Blessing is a wonderful, and it's a worship song. That's what I love about it. I mean, I know yeah. you guys are, I'm sure everybody on this podcast that's being sung at your churches, but I love that song. It's super moving. Yeah, I think it's a beautiful song. Waymaker also, I know it's a little older but uh, than last year, but I feel like it really became into prominence this last year. And I do, I love that song, especially it's, it has its original versions were a lot more gospel-y and... I love that song. I could sing that one all day. Uh, but the this will tell our listeners a little bit more about my pop culture knowledge. Uh, the, literally, I know almost nothing. I saw a Netflix documentary a couple months ago, or maybe a month ago, came out about a young man. I can't remember his name even now. That's so embarrassing. But he's like super famous and filling up stadiums. And uh, I turned it on. I was like, who is this guy? I've never heard a single one of his songs. And all these girls that were my wise friends are like, oh, you've heard his music. And I, I swear to you, I watched the entire documentary. I've never heard one ounce of it before. But... He's Canadian. I think his last name is Sanchez. Now that probably gave it away to somebody, but uh, I it's, don't know. It's got to be. Hang on. Can we try to guess this? Because this is going to be helpful. Go ahead. Is is his? Are does he? So there's a couple Netflix documentaries that have come out. Yep. Um, is it? You're saying it's? Is he young? Yes, very young. Is he dating uh, the it's, Cabela girl? I don't know. What's a Cabela? Like she helps people find hunting equipment? No, no. Her last name. Is, <laughs> oh, I don't know. That's her last, is his last name. Um, oh, you know what I'm he's talking from, about. He's from Toronto. Yes. Hey, Hang you, on. I'm going to find it. You you find it real quick. Uh, I, but how, I don't know. Sean Mendez. Sean Mendez. I said Sanchez. You didn't said, I? <laughs> yes. Oh, Which is oh, the man. main reason I wanted to find it was just to sort of – I'm not embarrassed Sydney. by this. I am 40 years old, okay? He is a child to okay. me. Sean Mendez. Never heard of him, but uh, a lot of people like him. Uh, I did discover Ed Sheeran this year, which I know okay. that's been around. He is a great songwriter. So I had I listened to some Amazon music playlists of Ed Sheeran. I'm like, oh, I like this. This is good. But now he's old. Now, let's move into a conversation that I know all of us are prepared with a list that we'll have to narrow down to talk about, which is favorite books. 2020 and mm-hmm. why. And Adam, let's start with you since we started with Elizabeth last time. Right now, as I look at you, you've got glasses and a beard, and you're sitting in front of ginormous bookshelves. You look extremely intelligent, very literate. <laughs> what were your best books 2020? Yeah, I, well, let me just say, I think uh, Gentle and Lowly is Gosh. is my favorite book of the year because I, I think I just needed it. Do you know yes, what I mean? It's just yeah. such a sweet book. I know so many – if you haven't <laughs> read it yet, I know so many people have, but if you haven't read it yet, do yourself a favor and pick it up because it is – it describes the truths of who Jesus is uh, and how he sees you in and, and just some fresh ways, right? There's, there's, no, there's no new truths in it. They're just needed truths. And this year – I've certainly been a bruised reed, and to to know again that God uh, doesn't break uh, a bruised reed 
uh, or snuff out a smoldering wick is such a good reminder. It's been a tough year, and that book was just a balm for my soul. I really loved reading it. The one other that I'll throw out there is I've really been challenged by The Rise and Triumph of the Modern Self by Carl Truman. Um, It's just been one that's like... And if you like intellectual histories, if you like trying to trace a narrative of how ideas have crystallized and then formed in society, um, then this is a book that's important. Um, and it's, you know, we're, we're a podcast called Culture Matters, and this is a book that's trying to help describe how the culture got to where it was. And it's trying to help the church understand that. So it's an important book. Um, but if you're going to buy one of the two, it's got to be Gentle and Lowly. That's what I would say. That's been, that's been my book of the year. So, Excellent. Elizabeth, how about you? You know, I've been doing a mix of reading um, physical books and doing Audible. And so yeah. that's been really helpful. Yes. So like I do Harry Potter on Audible, which is awesome. Um, but yeah. that is not my book for this year because I think that was my book for last year. And again, I'm Did- trying to be different, y'all. <laughs> do they have yes. the, on the Audible Harry Potter, do they have like, different people reading different characters or no. is it just one? It's just the same guy. That's awesome. It's okay. one guy, but he is so good. He does different voices he's really for everybody. Good. He's phenomenal. No way. Okay, yes, I got it. He is really good. Like, it's awesome. worth it. Like, I yeah. really enjoy it. I've missed exits on the highway because I was listening to <laughs> <Okay>. Harry Potter. <laughs> I was like, oh, I missed my, missed my exit. Um, <laughs> How did I get to Hogwarts? Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> Why did my car stop flying? Um... <laughs> So I've tried to listen to some uh, some classics, and so I think that there are just some books that I have heard about, you know, kind of dipped in, but haven't read fully. And so one of those was actually the autobiography of MLK, and because it's on Audible, they let you hear his sermons. And Ooh. so it was just to, to, and they space them kind of as they are narrating um, his writings and narrating. It's it's more of just the. Uh, discussion of the work that he did. So it's not really personal. It doesn't talk a lot about his family, um, but just talks about his thought process and the decisions that he was making and the efforts that he was moving towards. And then to hear him give the sermon in his own voice, it's just it was just really cool. So it was a good one to do on Audible because you got to hear MLK's voice. Um, another one that I read this year, and this is with a group of folks um, at TVC, a group of women, uh, was Shaped by the Gospel by Tim Keller. And so that's part of his center church um, kind of three-part book. And to me, it was just really helpful to bring the gospel to the ground. Um, And Mm. so I think there can be a lot of times where we can talk about the gospel, but don't know how to relate the truths of what we believe to everyday realities and how that shows up in ministry. And so I think that book was just full of a lot of good reminders, especially in a season where life is really hard. This is where the gospel shows up, and this is how it connects, and this is how you can communicate that to someone. Um, And so that our words shouldn't be abstract. Our words should be really concrete for people because people need concrete truth. Um, So that was a really good one. And then this is the last one um, because I'm writing a book. I'm just going to plug that. Come on. The book gets released. Uh, And so I'm in a chapter on lament and hope. And so Mm. when kind of reading around to try to figure out, okay, what really is hope and, and how does that kind of intertwined with Lament. And so found a really good book called Born from Lament, The Theology and Politics of um, Hope in Africa. Mm. And so um, I think he he talks about the author, just this idea of hope in a Western culture and how a lot of times hope for us is just veiled optimism. Um, and so that we need a hope that is not just until, and a lot of times it's just like, hey, we're waiting until Jesus comes back. And that is true. 
we have hope in what Jesus will do um, when he returns. But he's like, we also need hope for today. Mm. And so he just tells stories of the Rwandan genocide and how people who walk through those experiences have massive amount of, of hope in the midst of massive amounts of devastation. And so it was just a really beautiful book and really substantive. And so that's been helpful for me to think about those things. And I think as we're moving through a season of lament, as a country, as we lament the loss we've incurred, it just was helpful to put some feet to the ground of why that's helpful and the fruit that those things bring. So those mm-hmm. are my three. That, that's a beautiful list. Uh, Adam stole some of my answers, so I'll gloss over this real quick. But Gentle and Lowly and Triumph of the Modern Self were two that I was going to recommend for our listeners. They're just they're wonderful books, brilliant books, well-written uh, books. I thought so- you were going the other direction, which is why I didn't say it, dude. Oh, what is that? Sanderson. Yes. Uh, one of the best books of 2020 to me was a book <laughs> called Rhythm of War by Brandon Sanderson. And it is like the cream of the crop if you're in a nerd fantasy. It is. Yes. <laughs> I shouldn't say nerd. It is like the the plots, the the twists, the 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 satisfying ending. I mean, it's just he does such a good job with uh, what they call the Stormlight Archive. It's the fourth book. It's enormous, and I read it in like a week and a half. I just couldn't put it down. Mm-hmm. Uh, that came out in November, I believe, and it was that's fantastic. I love his stuff. Um, uh, there's my favorite, uh, one of my other favorite fiction authors, Marilyn Robinson, who writes a lot about Christian themes. She had a new book come out this last year in her Gilead series called Jack. It's about a um, a uh, a black woman and a white man in a relationship at a time in history when it was not only frowned upon by both families, but it was illegal and walks through what it was like for them to fall in love and also what it was like. It's just their narrative. It's their story. It's one long chapter. There's not like breaks in it. And it just walks through their story of falling in love and navigating the family dynamics him both being a kind of a past criminal and her being this woman from a very straight-laced family, both of their parents being, uh, both of their fathers being ministers, and what it was like in church life for them, public life for them, in seedy parts of town and fancy parts of town. It's just really interesting window again into a world that's not that long ago where people of different races were not allowed by law to date. And I thought that book, is her, her writing is always so beautiful. It was fantastic. Uh, the book that made the biggest difference to me this year, personally, spiritually, I read Return of the Prodigal Son by Henry Nowen for the first time. Everybody mm. always brags on how great that book is. It really is great. It was fantastic for me. Politically, uh, the one that had the biggest influence on me for the year was really fascinating to read in a year like this was Nelson Mandela's biography, this autobiography, I should say. That was a fantastic help. But everybody knows that the best book of the year was Family Discipleship by Matt Chandler. If you haven't picked that up yet, Who he has that a book. As Matt Chandler, and he has a co-author. Uh, gosh, Adam. What's his name? Adam something could be Hawkins. Sanchez. I can't remember. Sanchez. <laughs> Adam Sanchez. <laughs> <That's great. laughs> that is awesome. Adam Sanchez. I think he's from Canada. Now, in this last category, I want to talk about film. And obviously, 2020 was a different year for both TV and movies. A lot of movies that were done being produced did not come out. And a lot of uh, production on film and TV shut down. Not only did that happen, but it turns out that Elizabeth Woodson still does not own a television. So uh, this will be really interesting for Elizabeth. But let's start with you, Elizabeth. In 2020, 
when you stole your friend's Netflix account and watched it on your phone. <laughs> this is true. This is true. Because that's what I do. I steal passwords. <laughs> People don't know about how good a hacker you are, but I bet. Hey, hey. Come gotta on. make money somehow, Adam. <laughs> She's rolling in bitcoins. I don't even know what that means. Yeah, I am. <laughs> Elizabeth, what was uh, any TV or film stick out to you from this last year? Anything you saw on TV? The Last Dance. The Last Dance, yes. Yeah. Uh, I think I'm a big documentary person. And so, honestly, had I been exposed to a lot of Michael Jordan's career growing up because we just didn't watch sports in my household, which is perfectly fine. We were fine people. Um, and so I think getting to hear his story and getting to see his commitment to his craft. After watching that, I wanted to go out and do something great. Like, uh-huh. that's just it. And so, you know, I think just to hear about a person who just a lot of people love, you know, for better or for worse, it wasn't a perfect movie. Again, Jordan was the one who produced it. So, you know, you're going to get a, a spin on it. Um, but it definitely was informative and just eye-opening to a whole season of uh cultural culture in our country that I hadn't been a part of. Yeah, I love that. And it's got that Chicago tie-in for you too, huh? Mm-hmm. Adam Hawkins, how about you, man? Yeah, I, I'm glad we expanded this to TV because I feel like I just haven't seen a lot of film uh, at all this year. One movie, though, that is like a really great movie to see, is it's called Minari. And it's made, uh, it was the, the excuse me, I'm sorry, the director's name is Lee Isaac Chung, who happens to be Christian. And um, I think his movies are, are influenced. You can tell there's a, there's a Christian aspect to him. This film stars Stephen Yoon, who was played um, in Walking Dead. Oh, what was his name in Walking Dead? Get, oh. start, get, start with a G, right? Yes, yes. Glenn. 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 There it is. Uh, and so, um, anyways, he does a brilliant job in the film, but it's basically about an immigrant Korean family who moves from California to Arkansas to follow this dream of... Um, um, in, in in California, they're working in agriculture, but then they move, he, he moves his family to Arkansas to start a farm and just the stress that puts on his life and, and children. It's just a brilliant film about an immigrant family in America making their way. And, uh, it's a, and it's a Christian film. Uh, so, um, which, you know, normally is something that, um, you know, to name a film, a Christian film is not always a great thing. If you know what I'm trying to say, Uh, meaning, you know, you can, some of that film, some of those movies tend to be a little bit shallow. Um, but this one is very deep. Um, so Minari, great film. And then my favorite TV show, and it's probably just reflective of where I am, but was Ted Lasso. And Mm. I just, um, first of all, I love soccer. So, uh, to that aspect of it was just really awesome. But there was something about uh, the main character, if you haven't seen it, who's just sort of a a very decent person and his way of being decent seems to break down barriers. He treats people with dignity and respect in it. He's sort of always optimistic, which can be a little bit annoying, but it is a really, it's a really good show uh, about, and, and when you first hear about it, you're like, that can't be a good show, and it's a really good show. So Ted Lasso was my favorite show, and Minari was my favorite film. So. 
That's awesome. Well, of course, my favorite film of this last year was the Sean Mendez documentary on Netflix. Yes, it had a profound impact on my life. It did. It did. <laughs> uh, honestly, um, there's. I, I'm a huge movie fan, and this year was so sad for me. It was I, so sad, dude. I just there were so many things. I, I'll tell you what movie I was most looking forward to, and I can almost guarantee I would have enjoyed is the movie Dune that is completely yes. is completely done. It was supposed to be released, and they delayed it at least a year. And so I reread the series, or the th- first three books in the series. There's a million books. But the the book Dune, I loved when I was in middle school. And the movie that they put together looked like it was going to be awesome and redeem a lot of the weird things that happened in the last movie edition. But again, it's not coming out yet, even though it was done in 2020. Thanks a lot, COVID. <laughs> uh my favorite thing to watch with my kids this year was The Mandalorian on Disney Plus, which uh, was one of the few new TV shows this fall. But it was so so good. I mean, just emotionally moving, gripping, really beautiful, and uh, really cool if you're into the whole Star Wars story. My favorite show to watch with my wife this year we watched on Netflix a show called Alone. Uh, season six is on Netflix. <laughs> the first five seasons are not. But Elizabeth, you've seen this show. I have seen this show. It is, it's entertaining and strange, but I yeah. kept watching. So, yeah. well, you only have so much time when you steal somebody else's password before they discover that this is true. This is Netflix. true. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, alone is a, it's like a competition. I wouldn't even call it like a game show. They they put out like twelve or so people out into the Arctic wilderness, and the last one alive and thriving wins $500,000. It's not even like crazy money. And they put all these people out there and they have to live off the land, carry camera gear with them everywhere. And they've got to survive in the temperature. And it is like, it's women and men catching squirrels, fish. A guy fights off a, uh, a wolverine, shoots a moose with a bow and arrow. I mean, it's it's the most unbelievable thing. But you get into this these personalities of these people where some people quit because they just can't handle being by themselves. Some people are forced to quit because their their body has lost so much of their body weight that the, the medically they shouldn't be allowed to continue even though they haven't mentally given up yet. And uh, uh, it's crazy to watch. I mean, uh, my wife and I thoroughly enjoyed it to the point where we are considering how do we figure out the first five seasons and where we can get access to it. If they even exist, it might be a myth, but I think they're out there somewhere. But season six on Netflix was... Pretty awesome. I loved Incredible. it. Incredible. Incredible. And then I know that this was uh, one of the only movies that released this year. And Adam, you may hate the movie Tenet, but I actually, Christopher Nolan, I'm a fan. And I thought the movie Tenet was really interesting, fascinating. And in a world that is so full of sequels and rehashing things, the fact that guys like Christopher Nolan keep coming out with blockbuster original script ideas that do well and are interesting, you have to watch it twice to really get everything I really liked it. Uh, it stars uh, Denzel Washington's son. I can't remember his first name for some reason, but uh, I thought it was a cool time travel, but with a new twist movie. You do have to get over the sounds that Christopher Nolan uses in his movies, just the constant, never-ending, throbbing sounds he's got going. But it is, uh, it's a pretty awesome film. Do you know I watched something on the the – he did this really strange – um, Hans Zimmer, whoever he uses to do his his soundtracks, like the, he has him do those kind of things on purpose to like be disorienting. Oh so yeah, it's like, like he did the soundtrack to that, and it was like the scale. He did that weird. Um, 
illusion, that auditory illusion thing where it's like it sounds like the scale is always rising and rising and rising and rising, like the note scale. Oh. I forget what they call it, but yeah. Um, I didn't know that. About- I liked Tenet, by the way. I did. I just felt like I didn't get it all. I thought Robert Pattinson was awesome in it. I he's great. Denzel's son, which I'm sure he loves being called Denzel's son, but he's <laughs> awesome. The two movies I've seen him in now were awesome. And yeah. It's it's kind of like a Bond film with a... Yeah. With a black Bond actor, yeah, in, in a in like in with a time travel element, yep. And Elizabeth, I don't know if you have any idea about the movie at all, but it's pretty interesting. And there's so many little things that Nolan works in. Like there's character names that are references to this ancient palindrome that you can look up, and okay. you see all these wow. words. Uh, I don't know if you knew that, Adam, but no. Tenet is the center central word of a palindrome poem from like two thousand years ago. And several of the other characters all get their names and and places in the movie from that same kind of palindromic thing. Uh, The movie's name also is 10 forwards and 10 backwards, and that is a big part of the plot at the end. The the culminating scenes are about going 10 minutes forwards in time. At the same time, you're going 10 minutes backwards in time. And so there's – if you like clever Easter egg-y type movies where you got to kind of figure them out, some of them I'm still pulling apart from the movie, but I thought it was excellent. That's awesome. Well, a lot of the things we mentioned, now, Adam, you you mentioned a couple Christian tie-ins, but before we wrap up this episode, uh, obviously we're watching things and influenced by things and reading things that are not implicitly Christian. In fact, some of them have very different worldviews than than what we believe. Just as a reminder to our listeners, or maybe as a helpful helpful kind of caveat, not qualifier, but just a blessing, Elizabeth, why why do we Christians, Christian leaders, every one of us? Uh, watch art, read books, ingest thoughts from people that aren't Christians, and what do we have that's redeemable from them? I mean, I think I am a believer that all truth is God's truth um, and that non-Christians can create beauty too. And it's beauty that helps me see God. It's beauty that helps me interact with culture. And so as Christians, our job is not to just isolate in some silo, but to be a part of culture in a way that's redemptive. And you really can't do that unless you are participating in some pieces of culture through art, music, literature, all these kinds of things, and to understand how people think, Um, but also to learn. Like Christians don't have um, a corner on everything that's true about the world. We just know how to view things and how to bring glory to God. And so we help um, non-Christians realize that and draw them to the Lord. But we just have so much to learn. Um, and you got to learn by being out with the people and then having a sure enough foundation in your faith to be able to know what lines up with Scripture, what doesn't, and how to point everything to Christ. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to Culture Matters. Today's episode is recorded and mixed by Chris Starrett and produced by David Rohr. If you like what you heard, please give us a great review wherever you listen to the podcast. Also, you can follow us on Instagram and support our patron page at patron.podbean.com slash culture matters. Thanks, listeners. God bless you. We'll talk to you soon.